My, haven't you enjoyed the singing all week long? It's just been great. I appreciate every choir song, every special song. It's just so stirred my heart, and I'm so appreciative for all the hard work around here that goes into the great, great music. Well, take your Bibles, if you would, please, one last time and turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6. Nehemiah, chapter number 6. And in just a very few moments, I felt impressed to the Lord to read just one verse of Scripture that I trust the Lord will use to challenge our hearts in a very special way tonight. Nehemiah chapter number 6. While you're finding your place this evening, let me encourage you, after the service is over, come over to the old auditorium, and if you'll come to my table or any other Macedonia missionary table, they'll no doubt have a few copies of Macedonia's latest Focus on the Field magazine. Now, I encourage you to pick one of these up for... uh, Two reasons. First of all, you folks have a part in us printing the focus on the field when you purchase your ad in the back, back here. Uh, every time we print it, uh, you enable us to print these and distribute them free of charge all over the United States of America and even beyond. So you need to pick one up for that reason. But then this will enable you to become at least somewhat more acquainted with our now 128 missionary families around the world. Uh, Also in this issue, I did a write-up about ten ways that you can keep world evangelism in your heart throughout the course of the year when you're not having missions conference. And so uh, I I think the Lord will use it to be a help to you. Again, they're absolutely free of charge. You can pick them up on our tables after the service. And then uh, one other thing I want to tell you about as well, a year ago on my birthday, March the 1st, a year ago of last year, we started a brand new ministry at Macedonia that we called Macedonia World Baptist Radio. We are literally broadcasting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world by way of internet 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. There are three ways that you can log on. First of all, you can go online at macedoniaradio.org. And you can hear the good music there. You can also search for MWBR in the App Store or on Google Play. These uh, little Macedonia Radio cards are available on my display. If you would, pick one up. Keep it in your car. Again, you can listen to conservative Christian music 24 hours a day that has an emphasis on reaching the world with the gospel. I love Macedonia World Address Radio how God is using it. We're hearing from people in many different countries who are tuning in the wonderful programming and the good Christian music, and I praise the Lord for it. For those of you that picked up CDs this week, Thank you very much for that. That enables us to get a little further on down the road. We also take a portion of our CDs and use it to help pay our faith promise. You know, Cassie and I have a faith promise as well that we give regularly, faithfully, systematically, as the Word of God teaches us, over and around our regular ties so that others can hear the gospel. And I'm so thankful for that, for the opportunity to give regularly to world evangelism just like you folks are. Uh, in doing every single week, every single month, however you give, so that others can hear the gospel, even it a blessing to labor together for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. One other time, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. First of all, Dr. Neal, thank you for the invitation to be back. My, what a joy it is to stand in the pulpit of my dear friend, Dr. Greg Neal, and I appreciate him, how God is using him here. Uh, I never cease to be amazed how God uses a man and puts him in a place and then raises him up in the eyes of those people that he is leading to do great things for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, yesterday when we went out on visitation, I was blessed to see another side of Dr. Neal. I, of course, knew all along that he was a wonderful administrator, he's a wonderful leader, of course he's a great Bible preacher, but yesterday, in all honesty and sincerity, I saw another side. I saw Pastor Neal yesterday when we went to visit uh, Bud and Jerry, and then when we went to visit Brother Jim, I sat there in awe at my friend, Pastor Neil. God has given you a pastor. Not only a wonderful leader, a wonderful preacher, 
God has given you a pastor. I'm telling you. And I was amazed. I told Dr. Neal when we left uh, Brother Bad and Miss Jerry's side, I said, you know, that's a part of pastoring that I really miss. But to be able to sit there and witness the dialogue between Pastor Neal and Bad and Jerry, uh, it brought back a lot of memories. And uh, I'd love to see a pastor in action. And then, of course, he would never tell you this, but uh, Milka and her family, the Jims, fixed lunch for us yesterday in their apartment. And while we were eating lunch, we'd finished the meal, and I was trying to talk with Milka, and Brother Jim's mom and dad was there. We were talking. Pastor Neil got up from the table, walked over, and sat down with Jim. He didn't even know I was watching, but I watched 15 or 20 minutes as he just ministered to Daniel Jim. God has blessed you with a pastor. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm honored to know it. Now if we could just teach him to sing and dance, we'd be, we'd be right there. And I want you to know we are looking forward to that Christmas time. Oh, listen, Cassie loves Christmas. I'm telling you, don't tell me how Christmas is wrong and how we shouldn't observe it. Don't tell me that. Listen, it looks like Christmas threw up on our house every December. And we love it. So we are looking forward to being back in Jacksonville, Florida, the first Sunday of December. Thank you for the comfortable place to stay. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful meals. Thank you for all the little goodies in the room that you left and um, the, the money that you left in the room so we could use it as needs arose throughout the course of the week. Thank you for your faithful support every single month. But most of all, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And I love you. And I'm not just saying that because I think that you want me to. I say it with all of my heart. I love you. I appreciate you more than I could ever tell you. Well, have you found your place in Nehemiah chapter 6? If you're able, would you please stand as we read just one verse of Scripture? And I'm going to use this single verse of Scripture as somewhat of a launching pad. But we will be using our Bibles throughout the course of the message tonight, and therefore I trust you'll leave them handy. Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse number 15. So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month, Elo in fifty and two days. I want to direct your attention, if I may, to the first portion of verse 15, where the Bible says, So the wall was finished. Would you say those few words with me? Let's say them together, shall we? So the wall was finished. I'm preaching tonight on the thought, the importance of finishing the task. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, what a joy to have been here this week at the great Emmanuel Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for Dr. and Mrs. Neal, their precious family, the sweet fellowship that we were blessed to enjoy a little earlier today. But Lord, I thank you for the fellowship of these, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for them. Lord, only you know how my heart has just reached out to these people as I believe they have reached out to us. Lord, I thank you for these precious missionaries. And Lord, I pray you grant safety now as we go our separate ways to continue to do what you put in our hearts to do in these last of the last days. But Lord, one more time tonight, my heart is burdened for this great missions-minded church. Father, use the message tonight to once again spur them on to do even greater things for your honor and for your glory in the days to come. And I thank you and I praise you for it, for truly thou art worthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm preaching tonight on the thought, the importance of finishing the task. Now, I'm going to make a statement tonight that I'm sure each of you have heard before. However, I believe the statement bears repeating. It's one thing to start well. 
But it's another thing to finish well. And may I say, the Word of God is abundantly clear as to how our Savior feels about the work assignment that He has given us being completed. As the Lord Jesus prayed to His heavenly Father, according to John 17 and 4, He said, I have glorified thee on earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So the Word of God teaches us that the Lord Jesus most definitely finished, He completed, He concluded the work that His heavenly Father had given Him to do. You do, of course, remember the words of our Savior, don't you? As He shed His precious blood on the cruel cross of Calvary. The Word of God says in John 19 and 30, When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, He said, you remember what He said? It is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. The Word of God says of Paul and Barnabas, according to Acts chapter 14 and verse number 26, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. That word fulfilled is a very interesting word. It literally means to finish. And therefore, let me say again, the Word of God is abundantly clear as to how our Savior feels about our work assignment being finished. Uh, and a great example of that can be found here in the book before us this evening. For it is here tonight in the great, this great book of the Old Testament that we are not only introduced to the book's namesake, but we also read how God burdened Nehemiah's heart to walk away from a very prestigious job as the king of Persia's cupbearer traveled back to the capital city of Jerusalem and ultimately, with the help of the Jewish remnant, rebuild the walls around the city that had been broken down as a result of the 70-year period of Babylonian captivity. Can I say to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, by the time we read Nehemiah 6 and 15, having read through the first five chapters of the book, we witness firsthand God giving His people victory over distress, over discouragement, over distraction, and certainly over the desire of the enemy to snuff out their very existence. So much, in fact, that by the time we read our key text this evening, the wall is completely finished. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 8, 15 says, So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month Elah in 50 and 2 days. And tonight as we read those words, And the wall was finished, we certainly rejoice in that fact. We read those words, So the wall was finished, and we say, Amen. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. That's great. In spite of the distress, in in spite of the discouragement from both within and without, in spite of the destruction and even the desire of the enemy to kill them all, the Bible teaches us in the key text that the wall was finished. And of course we rejoice in that fact tonight. And we should rejoice in the fact that the wall was complete. But while we are rejoicing, we should never lose sight that we should remember that there is a lot of reading that takes place from Nehemiah chapter number 1 and verse number 1 to the time we get to Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse number 15. I mean, before we are even able to zero in on our key text tonight, Nehemiah had to hear about the need. He had to gain an understanding of the task at hand. God had to supernaturally touch his heart, give him a burden, give him the strength about the need. And then Nehemiah, brother, he had to go to work. Now the work wasn't easy. The work wasn't convenient. The work wasn't comfortable at times. In fact, somebody said it like this, and I agree. There was not only prayer and preparation involved in Nehemiah finishing the task that God had called him to do, but there was a lot of good old-fashioned perspiration as well. Amen. 
Therefore, I believe that Nehemiah set a great example for everyone in this building tonight in that he not only started well, but brother, he finished well. He not only commenced the work, but according to the text, Nehemiah concluded the work. And therefore, since he finished well, I'm very interested in what takes place between Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1 and Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse number 15. What were the facts involved in the finishing? First of all, number one, sobriety was involved. And of course, when I use that word sobriety, I'm not just trying to convince you that Nehemiah didn't consume alcoholic beverages, even though I know he did not. The word sober, do you know what that word means? It just means to be serious. That's what the word sober means. The word sober means solemn. That's what it means. And therefore, when I say that sobriety was involved, what I mean by that is Nehemiah, brother, he was serious about the work of God. Can I prove it to you? Turn in your Bible, if you would, please, to Nehemiah chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chesley in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Verse 4. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So the Bible is abundantly clear. When Nehemiah heard about the great need in the capital city of Jerusalem, it was a tremendously sobering fact for him to consider. So much in fact that according to verse 4, Nehemiah sat down. He not only sat down, but Nehemiah wept. Nehemiah not only wept, but he mourned certain days so much in fact that he fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. It was a very sobering time in Nehemiah's life. Here in the evening, Emmanuel Baptist Church, it wasn't God's will for Jerusalem to lie in waste. It wasn't God's will for the walls to be non-existent. The walls that spoke of power, prestige, and offered protection to God's people. Therefore, Nehemiah was moved by the great need that God had presented to him through his brethren. It wasn't a joke for Nehemiah. Can I say that again? It wasn't a joke to Nehemiah. He was very serious. He was sober about what God was calling him to do. And let me assure you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, before you ever get to Nehemiah 6 and 15, you've got to read Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You read about the weeping, the mourning, the fasting, and praying before you ever read about the finishing. That's why I say sobriety was involved. And can I encourage you to, in your own time of Bible study, take the Word of God and look up that word sober. See how serious God is about this matter of us being sober or serious about the work of God. For Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and what? Be sober. Verse 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the best plate of faith and love and for inheritance the hope of salvation. 
As Paul wrote to young Timothy concerning the requirements for a bishop or a pastor, or I believe a preacher, he said according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good report, of good behavior rather, given to hospitality, apt to teach, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all Things. Can I tell you how serious he is, God is about this matter of being serious about the work of God? God said, if you're a man and you say you're called to preach and you're not serious about it, you're disqualified. In fact, God took it a step further than that. God said, if you're a man and you say you're being called to preach, and your wife's not serious about it, you're disqualified. That's what that King James Bible says. Now, Dr. Neal would never parade somebody uh, that's been married for a father, for that matter, even two times before this church. Uh, he would never parade somebody to stand in this pulpit and preach to this wonderful congregation that doesn't meet the biblical qualifications uh, of a man of God. But can I tell you, just as sure, just as sure as it isn't God's will for a man to preach that has more than two living wives and more than one living wife. Oh boy, I better get my theology straight there. <laughs> it's just as much God's will that a man that isn't serious or his wife isn't serious, that man is just as disqualified to stand in that pulpit and preach as a man that's got four or five wives. Now, please don't misunderstand. If you're divorced and remarried tonight, we're not against you. I'm not against you. I love you. Some of my dearest friends are divorced and remarried. I'm talking about the scriptural qualifications. You do believe this Bible, don't you? I'm talking about, preacher, I just don't, you'll have to take that up with God. But I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're not serious about the work of God, can I tell you, oh, listen to me tonight, we're not here for fun and games. This is serious business, ladies and gentlemen. Running buses, that's serious business. Eternal souls hang in the balance. Operation Light, supporting the gospel, sending, being sent around the world. Operation CPR, church uh, recruitment, uh, church Whatever he said a while ago. CPR. It's been a long week. CPR. This is serious business. Souls hang in the balance. And before you ever get to Nehemiah 6 and 15, you've got to read through the praying, the mourning, the weeping, the fasting, sobriety. I hope you're serious about what God has called you as a church to do. This is serious business. Greatest illustration I know about being sober is this. Not long ago, Cassie and I were in a meeting somewhere and we left early Monday morning and we were making about a six or seven hour drive to get back to our home in the northeastern mountains of Georgia. And we stopped at a McDonald's to get a little something to eat and a cup of coffee. And I noticed as soon as I walked in the door there, there was a young man. He could not have been making much more than minimum wage. And he was sweeping up some stuff that had spilled in the floor. And he was very careful and he was very deliberate. They had one of those signs, you know, there that said, uh, a caution, the floor is wet. And he, he had pulled it over. And I happened to notice while he was standing there cleaning up that mess, Dr. Neal, he had ironed his pants. I, I mean, this, this fellow worked at McDonald's making minimum wage. You can see the creases in the pants of his legs. He, he, he was wearing shined shoes, Dr. Father. He was wearing shined shoes. He had combed his hair. He didn't look like that he just rolled out of bed in the morning. He had taken the time to comb his hair. I, I mean, he had shaved. His, his shirt was nicely ironed and pressed. I, I, I mean, it was really, really nice. He had...
got a belt on and he had his belt in the Navy. Do you know it's a rule? You got to have your belt. This part of your belt has to line up with all this line right here. The line of the shirt going all the way down to the end of your britches. It's all got to line up. That's the rule. Because when you present yourself, you are presenting the United States of America. And you ought to dress like it. And you ought to act like it. Well, this young man, I'm telling you, everything lined up. He looked so nice and neat. Listen, he had an apron on, Dr. Bill. He had, he had his straws over here on this side of the apron. He had some napkins over on this side of the apron. Brother, I tell you, if I had a McDonald's, that's the kind of man I would want for me. I looked at Cassie. I said, look, you see that fellow right there? That is a prime example of being sober. He's a sober man. You know what? He was so impressive to me. I walked up to him and I said, young man, I said, you are doing a wonderful job. He said, sir, would you please follow me? I said, yes, sir. He took me to the manager of the store. He said, would you please tell this fellow what you just, you just told me? I said, yes, sir. I'll be more than glad to. I said, sir, my name is Scott Cottle and I am the president of Macedonia World Baptist Missions. And I just want you to know that if I had a McDonald's, this is the kind of young man that I would want working for me. And I say that and say it from my heart. I'm hoping the Lord will call him to the mission field one day. He can go from flipping hamburgers to offering hope to the world. If he's a sober about reaching others with the gospel, who knows who will be led to Jesus? Sober. Serious. That's why I love the music here. It's on purpose, Brother Stanley. <laughs> Have you ever heard those folks? Well, I had time to practice in about ten weeks. Well, that's a pretty good indication you need to sit down. Sober. Sobriety is involved. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you tonight? The enemy is sober. And the only way that we can effectively guard against him is individuals, as a local church. We're going to have to be just as serious about the work of God as well. The work of God wasn't a hobby for Nehemiah. The work of God wasn't a favorite pastime. Nehemiah did business for God. What about you? Sobriety was involved. Secondly, supplication was involved. According to the first four verses of Scripture, I just read in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah not only sat down when he heard the news about Jerusalem, he not only wept, he not only mourned, he not only fasted, but according to the latter portion of verse 4, Nehemiah prayed. Before you ever read Nehemiah 6.15, you've got to read through the praying. You've got to read through the fasting. Before you ever read about Nehemiah approaching the king of Persia, before you ever read about him traveling to the city and motivating the Jewish remnant to join him in the rebuilding process, oh yes, sobriety was involved, but supplication was involved. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah prayed. Oh, and if I can impress upon your hearts tonight the need to pray, then I assure you my trip here this week would not be in vain. Nehemiah prayed. Supplication was involved. Hear me this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Prayer wasn't Nehemiah's spare tire. Prayer was Nehemiah's steering wheel. Prayer wasn't Nehemiah's last resort. Prayer was Nehemiah's first response. It's no wonder we read Nehemiah 6 and 15 where the Bible says so the wall was finished because we read Nehemiah 1 and 4 when Nehemiah sat down and wept and mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven supplication was involved. Hear me tonight. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37 says, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What's God's answer for a lack of labors? He tells us in verse 38 of Matthew 9. 
pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into this harvest. Supplication was involved. Number three, saints were involved. Saints were involved. I, I want to encourage you to realize this morning that as great a leader as Nehemiah was, as great a burden as Nehemiah had, Nehemiah could not accomplish the task alone. Can I prove it to you? Look in Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Look at verse 17. Of course, by the time we begin reading... Nehemiah has gained the recommendation of the king. He's traveled back to Jerusalem from Persia. He has assembled the Jewish community together and now he begins to address them. He says, beginning with verse 17, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us. Is that what the King James Bible says? Come and let us. Us. We not only see the invitation come, but we see the inclusion. Let us. Come, let us. Bring up the wall of Jerusalem that we, not me, but we be no more a reproach. Nehemiah spoke with such power and conviction. By the time he finished, the people responded by saying in verse 18, look at it with me. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Saints, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, saints were involved in the finishing. I assure you, we would have never read Nehemiah 6 and 15 without reading Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 18. We would have never read about the finishing if Nehemiah would have had to build alone. It took working together. It took laboring together. It took praying together. It took giving together. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 declares, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. That's why I love God's faith promise missions giving plan. Because it enables every single one of us the opportunity to get involved in world evangelism. Hear me this evening, Emmanuel, about this church. There is not a member of this church that will ever be able to stand before God and say, I was never given an opportunity to be involved in world evangelism. You'll never be able to say that. When you filled out your faith promise cards, whether you put one penny a month or a thousand dollars a month on it, you are working with your pastor, the leadership of this church, you and Emmanuel Baptist Church collectively together as one great spiritual team are impacting this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. I said it in Sunday school and I believe I feel impressed to say it again tonight. It's not just that one man gives 5000 a month. It's that this little lady gives 25 cents a month. It's that this little man gives 10 cents a month. It's that this family sacrifices for the cause of Christ and they give 50 a month. This family gives 100 a month. That family gives 200 a month. That family gives 300 a month. We are co-laborers together. Saints were involved. If you're going to finish well, you're going to have to get on board. Saints were involved. Sacrifice was involved. The great work that God had called upon Nehemiah and these Jews to do just didn't happen without sacrifice. Nehemiah had a very prestigious job. But he laid that job on the altar of sacrifice in order to do what God had put in his heart to do. Think about the great sacrifice. There was time to consider the word of God teaches us in our key text, Nehemiah 6 and 15, that the wall was finished in 50 and 2 days, which by the way is a miracle in and of itself. But nevertheless, that is 52 days of hard 
labor. Fifty-two days of laboring with a trial in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. I'm simply telling you tonight, there was sacrifice involved. There was a price that had to be paid. If we're going to finish well, it's going to cost us something. Sacrifice was involved. One other thing, and I'm through. I want you to know steadfastness was involved. Steadfastness. You may say, oh, well, preacher, surely from Nehemiah chapter number 1 to Nehemiah chapter 6 to verse 15, surely sooner or later, uh, sometime within the course of building that wall, those people wanted to quit. Oh, they sure did. In fact, verse number 10 of Nehemiah chapter 4 says, And Judah said, The strength of the bones and burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. There was opposition from without, and there was certainly opposition from within. However, that's when Nehemiah stood up and said, according to verse 14 of chapter 4, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to us, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. Steadfastness was involved. Now I want to say that because Listen, we've been pumped up around here this week. I told Dr. Neal at lunch today, listen, I always enjoy preaching when I come to Emmanuel Baptist Church, but there's been something special about this week. I mean, this has been a wonderful, wonderful week. We're all pumped up right now. But let me encourage you to consider this truth. Four or five months down the road, when you're not having a missions conference, the enemy's going to come to you and he's going to say, Boy, you got a lot going on down there. You know, maybe it would be best if you just not be so pumped up about this mission thing. But God sent me here to tell you tonight, stay with it. Thank God for what you have done. But what about what you can do in the days to come? Stay with it. Praise God for what you've given in the past, but my, at the potential that lies in the future. Steadfastness was involved. First Corinthians 15 and 28. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your giving is not in vain. Your going is not in vain. The bus ministry, it's not in vain. Don't you allow the enemy to convince you that it is, because it is not in vain. Your choir singing the, the hours and hours of practice when Brother Stanley leads you in learning new songs, it's not in vain. Be steadfast. Be steadfast, members of the orchestra. Be steadfast in your going. Be steadfast in your giving. Be steadfast in following the faith of your be steadfast, be steadfast. If you are ever going to get to the Nehemiah 6 and 15 of your life, you're going to have to stay with it. Stay with it. Preacher, you just don't know what they said. Stay with it. Just hunker down. Put your head down. Close your eyes. Raise your hand towards heaven and say, by the good grace of God, I'm serving God. I'm living for Jesus. I'm staying with it. I'm going to get to the Nehemiah 6 and 15 of my life by the grace of God. Because it's one thing to start well. It's another thing to finish well. Now, this is the last thing I'm going to share with you before I get in my minivan. The preachers made fun of me all week because I drive a minivan. The guys at the mission office called me the soccer mom. 
Did I not say a few minutes ago sacrifice was involved? Hey, when I was a pastor, I drove a Lincoln Navigator. Brother Gilbert, you can't drive a Lincoln Navigator to churches when you are trying to raise support. The preacher drives an RV out there in the park. Have you seen that? He can get his whole family a tent and build a campfire all at the same time. And that RV he drives out there. It'd take me a month of support to put the gas in that thing. That's why soccer moms drive minivans. But before I get my minivan and go back home, I've got a spiritual poem for you. Now this is super spiritual. And I thought about it this morning when I heard my friends chiming outside the door there. So here we go. Two frogs. <laughs> That's how it starts, really. This is a spiritual thing. Two frogs fell into a can of cream. Or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Hey, what's the use, quote number one? Tis fate, no help around. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping, the first frog drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. The while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes, I'll swim a while, at least he quote, or so I've heard he said, it really would not help the world if one more frog was dead. So he swam and kicked and swam and kicked, not once did he stop to mutter, but he swam and kicked and swam and kicked and hopped out. Because the cream had turned to butter. <laughs> the moral of the story is this. Just keep kicking. Just keep kicking. When it feels right, just keep kicking. But when it don't feel right, just keep kicking. You're going to have to if you're going to get, if I'm going to get to the Nehemiah 6 and 15 of our lives, you've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me tonight? Father, I'm so appreciative for the Word of God. Oh, I love the book of Nehemiah. So many practical truths in this great book of the Bible. My Father, we would all be very wise to not only hear what you have said to us tonight, but to heed it. Lord, I think about all of the opposition that Nehemiah and those Jews faced from Nehemiah 1 and 1 to Nehemiah 6 and 15. Opposition from without. Opposition from within. The devil didn't want that wall built. I sure am thankful that you included in the canon of Scripture the truth concerning the steadfastness of the book of Nehemiah's namesake. Lord, when all the rest of them Jews wanted to quit and throw in the towel, there was one man because of his steadfastness that persuaded that whole crowd just to keep kicking. Lord, I wonder who will be persuaded to keep on going because we have determined to be steadfast. Father, may Emmanuel Baptist Church never, never forget the eyes of the world are upon this place. They realize that tremendous goals have been set. They realize the vision of Dr. Greg Neal and the leadership of this church. And even the critics are standing idly by to see if Emmanuel Baptist Church will be steadfast. Father, I pray in Jesus' name tonight that you would bring this pastor and this church to the Nehemiah 6 
and 15 of their ministry. May we not quit until we see Your face, until we breathe our last. May we just keep kicking. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask you a question tonight? I want you to answer honestly. I wonder how many folks here within this congregation with an uplifted hand would say, Preacher, by the good grace of God, I want to stay steadfast till Jesus comes. If you really mean that, would you slip your hand up? I'm asking you to make a commitment tonight, would you? Hands are being raised all over the building. Now, i tell you what I believe we need to do. I can think of no greater way to end this great conference out than by standing to our feet right now. Everybody's standing. Every church that I pastor, we used to do this, and we would do it often. I would call upon the membership of our church, those that attended our church on a regular basis, to slip out from where they were standing. Come and stand in this altar. There's not enough room for us all to kneel in the altar tonight, so I'm going to ask you to come and stand in this altar if you're able to do so. Would you just move right now? And what we're doing by coming to this altar, we're saying by our coming to this altar, man, I'm on board. Dr. Neal, I want you to know I'm on board. I'm going to determine in my heart of hearts to never be a hindrance to what God wants to do here. Man, I'm in here with you. I'm in here for the long haul. I'm going to do my part in being steadfast. We're co-labors together. We're keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're following the faith of our man of God. And we believe that God is going to bring this ministry to its personal Nehemiah 6 and 15. Wow. Let's pray. My Father, before the pastor closes the prayer tonight, Lord, you know how much I've come to love these precious people. Why, they're as close as some of my own kin. And I thank you for them. Lord, as I run the roads of this wonderful country of ours, it sure does my heart good to know that there's a shining light for Jesus in Jacksonville, Florida. And Father, I know the enemy hates that, but I sure am glad that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So Father, I pray that these precious people who are standing in this altar tonight would determine with all of their hearts to be steadfast, to just keep kicking in the service of the Lord in spite of circumstances, in spite of hindrances, in spite of anything that would distract us from keeping the main thing the main thing. And I pray, my Father, that you would bless, bless my, my precious friend, Dr. Neal, as he leads them. God, may they follow his faith. You've given him a vision. You've given him a pastor's heart. Oh, Lord, knit his heart together with these people. Knit, knit these people's hearts together with his heart to the point that even greater things can be accomplished for your glory in the days to come. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, preacher. Thank you so much, Brother Connell. It's been a great week. I want to remind you of two things, if I could, very quickly. There are two things that the devil cannot overcome. He cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb. You're saved. You're always saved. Now, there's nothing that the devil could do. He'd love to still take you to hell, but he cannot. He cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb. It's a wonderful thing. Second thing, Satan cannot overcome, but you cannot overcome a Christian that just won't quit. No matter what he throws at him, no matter how he tries to discourage him, uh, and that's true of a church. He just can't, because so many fall by the wayside 
when he runs into a people of God, he runs into a Christian that no matter what happens, they just keep their eyes on Jesus and keep pressing forward. He cannot overcome that. Resist the devil. Just stand. Mom and dad, it's important for you to stay right with God. Yes. It's important for your kids. What a wonderful thing to see these children around here. Yes. I talk about serving God, serving the Lord. That's not everywhere. Mom and dad, yes, pray for your kid. He's going to come after your kid, but he's coming for you. You've got to stay faithful. Church, stay faithful. The people are depending on it. Boy, what a wonderful, wonderful reminder this week of what a group of people can do with the Lord's help. But he cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb. He reminds us often of how uh, uh, sinful we are, doesn't he? Our failures. We're saved. Uh, what sins are you talking about? Uh, by, on my account, uh, when God looks at my account, He sees the perfect account of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan can do nothing about that. And why don't we determine that we're going to all stay together until the task is finished. Is it, Pastor, are you talking about those 32 things? Oh, no. I'm talking about when God calls us home. And as a church, we have finished our task. May it be so. Father, I pray that you'll take what has been done this week. Uh, Thank you so much for sending our preachers, sending these missionary families. I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. There's no group of people on the face of this planet I'd rather serve with. It's an honor, it's a privilege to be their pastor. Father, as you've worked in hearts this week, as the Holy Spirit working and moving has been evident, as you've placed a call on uh, those among us to even one day go to another place on this planet and preach the gospel. I, I thank you for that. I thank you for how uh, even today we've been able to help and be and minister to people in our city, in our area. We thank you for the encouragement from the Word of God. But Father, I pray that uh, you'll just continue to knit our hearts together, that we'll continue to do more for you. And as we press forward, the uh, temptation to get uh, to quit and we're going to get weary. May we not be weary in our well-doing. And Father, we'll keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact when He said it was finished, it was finished. It wasn't a figure of speech. Uh, it wasn't just something he was saying. It was finished. And may we be faithful to finish our course, finish our task. Maybe these missionaries, years down the road, uh, when they hear a report from the Emmanuel Baptist Church, may it not surprise them or shock them. May we be faithful, uh, faithful as we co-labor together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful missions conference. And thank you so much, Brother Cottle. And uh, nobody else fire right now. So uh, we're going to trample each other getting out. But thank Brother Cottle for coming. And I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment from right where you're at. And um, obviously I'm not going to climb over you to get to the back door before. Uh, but I want you to let the missionaries uh, get out and get over to their...